This is the Lattice Training Podcast, where we bring you the best in climbing performance and training from the world's elite athletes, thought leaders, and coaches. Hello to all of the boulders out there. This is Tom Randall, and in today's episode, I'm going to be breaking down my top 10 projecting strategies for boulderers. Now, this is something which isn't going to cover any of the safety aspects of bouldering in particular. So if you're getting halfway through this and thinking, why is he not talking about pads? Then I'm staying away from that aspect. I did exactly the same in the episode that we recorded, which looked at the top 10 projecting strategies for sport climbers. I stayed away from the safety aspect on that one, really, because I just want to get into the whole tactics thing and the stuff which is kind of useful in terms of making sure that you're better at achieving your projects and your goals and being efficient with that process. The other note in this one is this is an episode for the beginner and intermediate climbers of you out there. This is not about those tiny little 1% differences that often many of the elite are looking for. It's not to say that the elite might not have missed a trick with some of these and some of you advanced climbers will listen to some of the things I'm using and go, ah, oh, you know what? I don't do that. That does sound interesting. Maybe I should check it out because all 10 of these things I think are really, really useful. I've used all of them over the years and granted, I don't use them on every project, but they hugely increase the chances of success, the amount of time that you have projecting the thing, uh, how efficient you are, uh, how much you enjoy the process, all that stuff. Lastly, I also want to note is this is not about training. Uh, if you want to go and look at episodes about training, dive into our other podcast uh, episodes on here and we will focus more on the kind of physical stuff on this. Okay, let's get into the projecting strategies for boulders. Number one, and it's always contentious thinking about what you want to put number one on the list, but in this case, I am going to put it down as do not waste any skin. I think that is the biggest one, probably, if I had to put my money on it. And particularly with the beginner intermediate climbers out there. Projecting for bouldering is often by its nature, it's a project, it's not going to be an instant quick tick, a flash, etc. It's going to be really hard for you. And inevitably, you're going to be thrashing around on the rock quite a bit. And that's going to have or take its toll on your skin. The more skin you lose and the quicker you lose it, the less attempts you can have in your session and the slower your projecting process may well be. And also more uncomfortable or painful. Um, and the other thing to note with skin and skin quality is on stuff that's right at your limit, it can really affect how much you can actually hold a hold, particularly with certain types of grains of rock or shapes or styles of hold or rock. And those things which are kind of subtle slopers or slightly grained, not positive edges can be affected by ever so slightly damp uh, skin, which is often what it feels like when it gets thinner. So really, really look after your skin. If you watch a really good experienced boulderer, they're just looking at their hands and their skin all the time, whether it's 
holding them in front of a fan and keeping them cool or whether it's filing them down or keeping them chalked up and dry and time away from the crag as well it's just so important so look after your skin do not waste it next up is something that i see or saw developed in the advanced or elite bouldering world and is still practiced but it's increasingly being used by others in the more i suppose intermediate level is the use of ladders or even standing on the shoulders of a friend um, or ab ropes or rappel ropes to be able to check and try moves when you're projecting this is such a useful thing to do because basically it means that you can get into positions on your project which you wouldn't be able to reach in the ground and you can try all the foot positions and how you would move how would you create contact with the holds uh, you can skip out moves at the bottom that might tire you out before you get to move seven for example and so you can try it totally fresh and see whether it's within your capacity and especially on a rope and again i'm not going to kind of talk about the safety aspects of exactly how you do this but if you're working on a rope and you're doing it well you can micro tweak foot positions and how you use momentum on the route and i think that's a very very nice little tool to use and yeah we could argue that we don't want thousands of people everywhere all on ropes uh potentially with some of the softer rock types damaging the rock so it's something to be used in consider or or with consideration and to not overdo it but i think it is something to have in your toolbox if something is a dream project for you or you're really struggling to get to upper parts in the route um again with a ladder be really careful with that contact in the rock um and you know you can put pads over the top of the rock you know like wrap a towel around it and just make sure it's not damaging the rock when it's leaning against it next is learn the weird positions in the roots so are real extremes of heels, toe hooks, drop knees, and your rests. And that comes down to kind of things like knee bars or jams with a power spot. Because what you'll find with these weird positions is they're hard to get into and they take energy to explore the the nuances of exactly how you move your hips and your shoulders and carry tension by having a power spotter help you into the positions you can kind of tweak and twist your hips and your knees and your shoulders to find the very best position within it and then they can let go of it and you're like ah great yeah that's a really nice knee scum there that allows me to move my feet or ah yeah i need to twist my knee just a little deeper to find the best part in that drop knee and it means that you save the energy trying to find the exact perfect position with a power spotter. So I really can't recommend that one enough. Um, it's very, very useful. And yes, it runs out at a certain point of height where your spotter can't reach you, but it works for a lot of different positions. So get on your power spotting. Next up is looking at video beta or... I know for all the Americans out there listening, the, you'll be thinking, what is this beta thing? That's beta in uh, in American speak. Um, apologies for the British accent. Um, my American friends always take the piss out of that. But any technique or tips from the same types of climbers, in my opinion, this is slightly more important with bouldering because you're climbing right your limit it's often more dynamic, powerful climbing. 
compared to some of the red pointing you do by the nature of red pointing on sport routes you're not always trying moves that are at your absolute actual limit because you're going to be fatigued getting to them so you can't they won't include moves which are your total absolute minimum you might be operating at 80 percent of maximum for example um, anyway i digress with the whole beta thing is try and get it or digest it from videos or with people at the crag who are your same body type shapes climbing style because i think it's more valuable than someone that's a foot taller or extremely flexible and you're not and pay attention to that otherwise you can just be led on a bit of a wild goose chase number five is that again going back to this power spot is with your really long or dynamic or totally marginal you know slapping all out moves get a power spot the number of times i've got on a project and gone tried it three or four times 10 times and gone nah it's just not doable i just can't do that move it's so hard but then i just get someone to just push on my back maybe five ten kilos of pressure and suddenly i can do it and i think oh you know what that is possible and I get how I have to carry my momentum and I get how close my hips have to be to the wall to latch that hold. Ah, oh, you know what? Give me another go in five minutes time and just push maybe two or three kilos of pressure once I've got a bit of built up a bit of confidence. And then suddenly you do it again and you go, well, maybe I can try it without the power spot. And it's very useful that. Um, and it's not something to think that it's cheating or it's not a good strategy to use, but you use exactly the same thing in gymnastics is spotting is just a totally normal thing to do to learn that efficient movement know how it feels and also build up confidence next is the concept of building replicas of things which are weird or unusual on your project and what i mean by this is that sometimes on bouldering projects they're really really in air quotes, extreme movements that you have to do. So a very long move, an extremely dynamic move. You have to move one or more of your limbs into the full end range of motion. And that can feel really uncomfortable and unfamiliar. And because we often default to not training right at end range of motion, or that we might not train repeatedly some of these sort of niche styles of moves, in our everyday activities is we're not actually that well refined in our movement engrams when it comes to that thing in our climbing. So actually a little bit of off project time spent at home replicating those things can really pay dividends. So that might be just as simple as I have a move on the project where there's this really unusual, very, very wide rock over move where I have to kind of push, press, and really extend the arm out and push from the tricep so I can get all the way left on this move. Uh, you know, I'm creating a, a sort of fantasy problem here. Um, but what I mean by that is that in my training normally, I don't do very many moves where I really push and extend and really stress my tricep on a very, very far extended move out to the left. So by that nature, if I then go and practice and train that in the time away from the project, I improve my uh, gains in that particular style of move so that when I return to it, I might be in a better position. Number seven is 
think about your flexibility and range of motion that you have in your project and how that relates to the demands of it in your warm-up. Bouldering at your limit is an extreme and it will push your body to its limits. Make sure that you've incorporated all of this into your warm-up. I see too many people expecting to perform at their physical limit on their very hardest moves without any exploratory work or quality warm-up which really thinks about that full range of motion which is specific to their project get warming up people it's really important that it matches up the demands of your project number eight is visualization of hitting holds on dynamic moves the number of times that i've asked beginner and intermediate climbers that when you step off your project and you think about that move that you're really having a hard time with, do you ever close your eyes and actually repeat five, 10, 15 times in your head with your eyes closed, hitting that hold successfully? And most people will go, no, I never thought to do that. Why would you do that? But if you look at what the elite and advanced climbers are doing, that's an exercise that you will find many people will do. And they've repeatedly done it with many projects over the years and are practiced at this for sometimes decades at that visualization skill it's very worthwhile and it results in better execution of those moves even though you would say well i'm just practicing this thing off the rock i'm not actually making my body do something but practicing with your mind has its benefits number nine is making sure that you take lots of shoes to the crag I covered this in a YouTube episode that was on our channel around tips for beginners when you go out bouldering. And I think it's very important to take multiple pairs of shoes, particularly for boulders to the crag. So your aggressive downturn shoes, your flatter shoes, soft shoes, there are all sorts of different types of heels on shoes as well. And add to this another little trick. And I know I've seen actually Dave Graham do this in a few uh, episodes of videos that he's been in is he will get his shoe and actually it's not on his foot or anything like that. He's not actually wearing it. And he will place an angle, the toe or the edge of the shoe, outside edge, inside edge, or the heel on the rock and feel around the different holds to find where the positions are that the hold works best with that part of the shoe. I'll do it a lot on heel toes, for example, and find the perfect heel toe position on roots or boulder problems. I think this is a really underrated little tool that you can use when projecting so when you're having your rest and you're off the project and you're not trying someone else is going on it get those shoes out and try them on different parts of the route and really play around with where you think it will be most effective lastly and this one sort of ties back to the whole ladder and ab rope thing is don't always start at the beginning of your boulder problem problem when you're projecting It's a mistake that I watch quite a few beginner climbers do. And I don't know whether it's because it just seems logical that the start holds are here. So I'm going to start here every single time. But ultimately, a successful ascent on a project is down to tying up every single individual component part, linking them all together from top to bottom in one experience. It doesn't mean that your journey has to mean that you start every time at the start. You can start halfway up, whether that's just reaching higher up on the problem, whether it's a sit start or 
getting on someone's shoulders or stepping off from a ladder at the side or stacking seven pads on top of each other so you can get a little bit higher. But this is a really worthwhile thing to do because some moves need more practice. Often it can be the part where you actually fall off the problem. So you need to be most practiced and refined in the upper section of the boulder. And you just don't want to waste energy and skin on that lower part repeatedly doing it, even if they are relatively simple moves, because it's just going to increase the degree of inefficiency in your projecting process. So there you have it. That is my top 10 when it comes to beginner and intermediate projecting strategies for boulders. I hope you found that useful. This is exactly the type of work that myself and all of our coaches do with our clients in terms of supporting that training and coaching structure that we implement on a weekly basis with our performance coaching plans. It's kind of like the hidden, hidden machine behind Lattice and the degree of mentoring and projecting and strategy advice that we give to climbers around the world on a daily basis. And it's something that we all really enjoy because all of us are proper climbers at Lattice and we love this part of it because in the end of the day, it really complements all that hard work and training that you do, you do on a weekly basis and means that you get up your projects and your goals. So check in again soon. We will see you on this podcast in the near future and have a good day wherever you are.